We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to RotoWire's Monday NBA DFS podcast. I'm Joe Bartle, and joined alongside me, as always, Ben Miller. Ben, we went to the Bucks game last week, uh, yeah, yeah. and we were talking about how we thought the Bucks were going to do really well. We were excited. We we both had Giannis in our lineup. Right, right. Uh, we thought the Bucks were going to kill because the Nuggets really haven't been that good this year, and it was basically a 180 i mean we were just talking a little earlier i think the car ride there and back or the bus ride that is was better than the game itself yeah we were in a we were in a school bus and that was literally the more enjoyable part of that night um i was i mentioned before to joe i was like yeah i think thank god we had beer available at that game like it was so bad they were down by like 30 in the first half yeah it was it was horrible and right they just the Nuggets would continue to get open three-pointers. And it wasn't like uh, good defense and they just made nice. The wide-open right. three-pointers. Yeah, the Bucks were making them look like the Warriors out there. That's what it felt like. It was, Absolutely. It was so ugly. I think Wilson Chandler, uh, well, no, so, well, Gallinari had at least 15 points in the yeah, first half. Yeah. I know Jokic had a, a triple-double by the end of the game, but he had a double-double, I think, in rebounds and assists yeah. before the end of the third quarter. He just got the triple-double at the points at the end because they subbed him in because the Bucks actually made a run. Like right. it just was it was a dreadful, dreadful game. I think yeah, even like a guy like Jamal Murray, I think he even played well and like <laughs> it was it was so ugly all around. Um I mean they they made it interesting at least somewhat at the end. You know, the Bucks came back to within ten or eleven. Yeah. Um well, Matthew Delavadova, my favorite player in the NBA had tw- 
10 of his 14 points or something like that in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, he made a bunch of running layups. And I think Malcolm Brogdon, who at the, I had in my lineup at that point, he had a pretty solid game. And I think the nice part was Chris Middleton showed up too. Where, yeah. And now he played back-to-back games. So right. I think we finally have him set to go if you're a Bucks fan. But just watching that game was so frustrating. I feel like they just play down to their competition the, yeah, and I feel in like the that, worst that's, way. That's kind of what they've done for years now. It, it yes. feels like three or the last three or four years. It's it's always they play down the like like the Warriors game. You finally play up to your competition last year, I should say. Right. So when they when they gave them that first loss or whatever that was, they they try and play up. They keep those games close, and then when you're playing like a you know a trash opponent, all of a sudden they're they're at the same level. So it, it's so frustrating. I'll give you this question because this has kind of been over all over the sport airwaves um, in Milwaukee and Madison. Would you fire Jason Kidd? To, I mean, something's got to change. This can't be acceptable. Is Jason Kidd the guy that takes the fall for a season like this? I feel like most teams usually do put it on the coach. I mean, that's that's usually where it ends up. Right. Um, I'm not ready to fire him, but I wouldn't say he's too far off. That's the that's the same thing I was thinking. Like I was I, when I was listening to that, I'm like, yeah, you know, honestly. It would make sense, but I, I legitimately think Jason Kidd is a good NBA coach. Right, right. But so where do you fix the problem? What what are you supposed to do? I think you have to maybe not get injured. Well, like half yeah, your team but you can't and, control that. Right, right. But that, that's... They have enough depth elsewhere to make up some of these injuries. I think the Chris Milton one hurts far more than Jabari. So, so for the short term, the Chris Milton injury hurt far more than the Jabari injury hurts. I think long term with the Bucks plan and where Jabari Parker was fitting in, that's going to hurt their their long term goal. But short term, Chris Milton was a huge thing. They really never had a two guard to fill in at that spot, especially when you had Giannis playing point guard. They made made do with Del Vadova and Brogdon, but they really aren't the three-point shooting guys that you're kind of looking for with this lineup that they had. So I think that the injuries hurt it, but we can't just go on and keep assuming that they're going to be healthy at some point. Like, this is yeah. that's where it is. Yeah, but I mean, I think that brings into the question is, do you really want to fix it at this point? You know, there's like 20 games left in this season. You're at best going to get a eight or seven seed. Right. Um, so do you want to fix it? Why not? I mean, this is this draft class is supposed to be so much better than years past. You might as well just... just just cash it in at like, some point they have to build upon the potential that they have though yeah and i get playoff experience it's nice to have like four games in the playoffs yeah. get guys like Giannis and middleton some more playoff games to to and you know even fond maker yeah. too exactly who, who exactly. will get the start guys. most likely at the center spot and and then get taken out right away for greg monroe i just at some point you have to build upon that promise and if the bucks continue to do what they have been doing and, this, and like you said this isn't just a this year problem. No, they no. They have consistently played down to their competition right, yeah. th- three or four years now. So you're right. I, I actually think Jason Kidd's a very good head coach. I would want to keep him on there, but at some point you have to make the decision that he is not leading the team the way they're supposed to. And I'm not sure if it's at the end of this year. I'm not sure if it's the beginning of next year or like middle of next year, or even if it is the end of next year. I know that he's got a very great relationship with uh, the Greek freak Giannis, um, and he's been instrumental in the development of him. But at the same time, we're just not seeing the team where it's supposed to be, where we think we can be when we start the start the season. Yeah, and I think it could be maybe even contract construction between, like, within the team. Like, Jason Kidd doesn't do a bunch of, you know, extensions. Like, he's not the one giving these players yeah. certain extensions. So I think there's some issues um, with, you know, what we're paying some guys, who we're bringing in. Um, I think that that could be more of an issue. But, I mean, the players are developing right now, like, Giannis has developed into a great player. Parker, before the injuries, great well, yes, player. Middleton absolutely. has developed into a great player. Brogdon, too. Brogdon, yeah. Even Maker. I mean, he's, I got, think he's Maker's still got raw, potential. raw as yes. hell. But 
he's got potential. And I think that you can find some spots for some of those guys. They probably did overpay this offseason. Toledovich, we were kind of talking um, on the bus ride back how he's a, a three-point shooting specialist, and regardless of how well he's played this year, if you have a career arc that he has had, those generally tend to have some value in the league. Um, I think what Del Vidova pro- provides on defense, and again, I'm a fan, so I, I think I'm a little more optimistic on it, provides on defense and leadership skills a little bit. Um, you can't discount that. But at the same time, I agree with you. Where the cap was placed this year for the Bucks, or where some of that money was, it makes it tough to maneuver around um, and get better. I look, it just restricts some of the options you could have. Yeah, it just seems like kids doing a, a solid job of, you know, having these guys develop. But our player acquisition is more of the the issue um, at hand. I mean, obviously injuries have killed us but right um yeah like i just think it's more acquisition i think kids doing a fine job but i, I do i would say that within the next year or year and a half like kids gonna be gone if we don't show like a, a better record by the end of next season and that's that's just that because i mean coaches take the fall i would agree with that all right well we'll stop talking about the bucks right now it's kind of a little bit of a depressing uh conversation at least for bucks fans we'll, we'll get into the uh lineups that we have going on again 12 game slate for the monday nba dfs today but we'll Go back and look at the perfect lineup from Sunday's games. I think it was six games that were going on. We have Steph Curry uh, going against the Knicks at 10,500 for the perfect lineup last night. Drew Holiday going against the Lakers at 7,700 for the point guard options. At shooting guard in the perfect lineup last night, we saw Bradley Beal going against the Magic at 7,500. And then Rodney Hood going against the Kings at 4,200. At small forward, we have Boat. Uh, I can never say his name quite right. So I'll let you go ahead and say this one, actually. I think it's just Bojan Bogdanovic. Yeah, see, you do it way better than I do. We just <laughs> <laughs> kind of toss it back and forth. That's fine. Yeah, he's going against the Magic at 3800 for his price. And then Paul George, who we've kind of been in and off of uh, a lot with our DFS lineups, going against the Hawks at 8000 Pretty good price for him. Chris Stapps, Porzingis, going against the Warriors against last night, 6700 for his price tag. Amir Johnson going against the Suns at 3700 And then Rudy Gobert going against the Kings at 7000 That or 7600 I should say. That was your perfect lineup from Sunday slate. Is there any takeaways that you can have from that? I mean, I was actually really happy to see Drew Holiday in there. Uh, he had a double-double, 20 points, 12 assists, which was 47 FanDuel points. Um, if Holiday can continue to you know, be comfortable playing alongside guys like Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, I actually think the Pelicans could really you know, up their play this, as the season winds down. You know, Davis and Cousins are obviously going to command the ball at a pretty high rate. Yeah. Um, but, but when Holiday's you know, also able to put up some points, um, it, it would really give New Orleans a boost. So, so I was definitely happy to see Holiday play so well. Uh, I think they've now won two of their last three games or something like After that. After losing like their last six. Yeah, so that's that's good and <laughs> true. I'll give you that. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good to see. I, I think if, if Holiday's points can stay up, despite the acquisition of Cousins, I think that's really good for the Pelicans. And I think they could really have a, a decent end to the season. Um, We've already had a, a long segue with the Bucks, but I'd be very curious to see where Holiday goes or stays in free agency yeah, this season. I, yeah. I know that uh, we have plenty of Knicks fans around the area that would love to have Holiday as their point guard. I think the Pelicans honestly would love to have Holiday as their point guard of their future present. I'm not even sure what you want to call them at this point. Um, but what his price tag is going to be this offseason will be very interesting. To yeah, me. it's going to be it's going to be way up there, like close to max even. Like I, I, I have a good feeling that there's going to be a lot of guys at Drew Holiday's um, 
you know, performance level that are going to be close to maximums just because of the, the cap just continues to go up. That's fascinating to me. I guess my takeaway from the perfect lineup was that we saw Rodney Hood at 4,200. We've been discussing a lot of the mid-tier price guys and the lower guys. Rodney Hood, in my mind, classifies as one of the lower price guys, but we see him in the perfect lineup optimizer quite a bit, honestly. And at 4,200, again, I, that's that's pretty good. I know it was overtime that he got to kind of get through, but we know he can score. And when there are injuries to Joe Johnson and other people in front of him, that's when you start to see a guy like Rodney Hood be able to perform form higher than what you'd be expecting for. So I think he's one of those people that uh, kind of like DeMar Carroll, only better. Um, he can provide a few different points in different categories. I'm looking at rebounds and assists, namely. Uh, it's not a lot, but it gives you a bit of a floor where as long as he's scoring his 10 to 15 that he's normally getting, that's a decent enough value. So I, I like to see Rodney Hood in these kind of things. It more solidifies my idea that we can find cheaper guys that are still able to give cross-category production so long as they're getting minutes. Right, and it was especially encouraging, too. You know, he was fresh off an injury. I think he missed the last two games previous to that with some sort of knee soreness or something along those lines. Right. Um, so, yeah, he's healthy. Like, he played 30-some minutes. That's not a problem moving forward. So I think that's a guy we might mention later who, you know, is could be a decent value player. Foreshadowing. <laughs> ben, you're doing the foreshadowing again. All right. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, and yeah, actually, Paul George, you did mention that before. Yeah. I figured we might as well say something about him. But yeah, he finally looks like he might be getting out of that slump. Uh, he had posted less than 30 Fanduel points in four straight games uh, at the end of February, but he's had 36, 31, and 43 over the last three. So I mean, he's, he's on the rise. So it looks like he could potentially um, sure get himself so. out of that slump. I love I love a league where Paul George is one of the best players. Yeah, like that's just that's just simply it. Maybe not DFS wise best players, but I, I think he's one of the elite talents. I thought that leg injury was just absolutely nasty scary and gross like i just i want i root for people coming back from those types of things so i'm hoping paul george can succeed just maybe not with the lakers right no i completely agree (laughs) all right let's go ahead and break down the 12 game slate that we have going on monday we have starting out at seven o'clock eastern time will be the knicks and magic heat and Cavs, and the bucks 76ers at 7 30 eastern time we have the warriors hawks and bulls pistons at eight o'clock eastern time we have the trailblazers timberwolves pacers hornets Nets Grizzlies, and at 8.30 Eastern Time, we have the Rockets Spurs, followed by 9 o'clock Eastern Time with the Kings Nuggets, and rounding up the schedule, we have Pelicans Jazz, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, and Celtics Clippers. Before we get into the injuries, though, um, that we like to discuss with those, let's go ahead and get a uh, shout-out from our guys' fan duel. Baseball season is just around the corner. Don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash RotoWire to claim the prize. Must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Okay, so let's break down some of the injuries that we have going on for the matchups. Again, 12-game slate. There's a few games that really don't have uh, many notable injuries, but we'll kind of go through it like we normally do, break down a few of these things, and you can pop in if you find any that yeah, are really important to you. Definitely. All right, so for the Knicks-Magic matchup, we have Joakim Noah, who will be out. We expect him to be uh, probably out for the year, honestly, with that knee injury, but he's he's um, resuming strength training today. So uh, that's a huge albatross of a contract, I think, for the Knicks, and I don't know if Noah will ever be the same player again. No, yeah, it's hard to see that, and it's actually interesting for them um, because, you know, Hernan Gomez had started uh, three or four games in mm-hmm. place of him, but um, he was he was back in the lineup uh, in their most recent game, and they kept Porzingis at center. So um, it should be interesting to see if that's what they continue to do to do tonight. Um, 
So yeah, well, that, and that's, that's what hurt us with the Kyle O'Quinn play that we right, discussed on yeah. Wednesday is that we thought Kyle O'Quinn was absolutely a great play, and he ended up doing all right, I think around 20 Fanduel points on that last Wednesday. But it was that Chris Stapps actually took a lot of minutes at the center, yeah. which took a little bit away from Kyle O'Quinn. Yeah, they, they seem to be going smaller, you know, Lance Thomas at power forward. So that, that definitely hurts both Quinns. Uh, I think Hernan Gomez had only like 14 minutes, too. Yeah. So it was... It was, it's it was weird ugly. because I think yeah. he's one of those guys that you want to see, especially when you're having a down year like the Knicks are. Right, you he's want to younger see and yeah, exactly. So that that kind of confused me as well. So I I'm not quite sure if that's what they'll stick with. So that's why it's probably something we want to monitor at least tonight to see you know if they go back to Hernan Gomez. Absolutely, absolutely. On the Magic side, we have Nicole Vucevic uh, with the Achilles injury. He's a game time decision. He was held out Sunday, and Bismack Biombo, who I think was also another really poor for agent signing if we're being honest he did start for him i think biombo actually would be a great dfs option if we knew for certain that vucevic will be out but we, we don't know that quite yet yeah if, if he gets out uh, ruled out before uh lock, lineup locks I, I would definitely consider you know biombo he had 14 points 15 rebounds yesterday um it is a back-to-back but i mean he's he's at a minimum contract at 3500 so yeah i think you're right though uh, that's that's definitely only if vucevic is ruled out so um, that that's something to wait until um, you know final final ruling comes down before you know activating him or anything like that. Moving over to the Heat and Cavaliers matchup, we have the usual guys for the Heat: Justice Winslow, Chris Bosh, Josh McRoberts. They're all going to be out uh, on the Cavs side. We also know J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, obviously will be out. Amon Shumpert, though, is a game time decision. He chipped two teeth during Saturday's game. We're thinking he's going to play. Obviously, he's not much of a DFS option as it is, but that sounds like more of a hockey thing. Like, we should be tossing <laughs> over to the, the hockey guys like AJ and discussing yeah, this injury, Seriously. Right? <laughs> uh, that's like the, what was it, Al Jefferson had the dental problem yeah, before us? Yeah, so that's yeah. a couple in a row here now. We, we're talking a lot of stuff. Like, I, I'll be honest, my biggest fear probably in life is the dentist. So... I would never want to chip a tooth and then have to go in there at all. <laughs> I, I'll go over my six months. Like, I have to. Right, right. But I'm sweating the whole time. I'm doing the crossing fingers. I just want to get through as fast as possible because I'm terrified of the dentist. <laughs> That's fair. But, I mean, if he <laughs> if he does sit out, maybe a guy like Kyle Corver could be interesting. You just um, move right past my dentist. Yeah. I, I got what are nothing you doing, to say. Man? I hate the dentist, too, man. Okay, okay. It's been a while since I've gone. So, I was just trying to avoid that. <laughs> You're so scared people want to talk about it? I didn't want the listeners to know how bad my teeth might be, you know. It's been a <laughs> while since uh since we've gone so. all right well at least that i i feel better that i do my every six month checkup yeah, no, you're, you're doing better than I am. <laughs> um, going, going over to the buck 76 this podcast is going completely off the rails it that's feels okay like. uh we have michael beasley he's a game time decision with that knee injury um he's missed the last three games he's going to be reevaluated today i don't know if he ends up playing um especially because it's the 76ers I, I just i don't see that happening but we know that joel Embiid will not play with that knee injury obviously he's out for the season Jaleel okafor is doubtful to play he missed saturday with knee soreness so rashawn holmes he might actually get that chance to start at center and then gerald henderson is probable to play he sat out friday and saturday with hip soreness um that means stauskas who was starting at shooting guard probably heads back to the bench so uh, a couple of injuries to monitor there but i think the notable one probably is holmes right yeah, definitely Holmes. I mean, he's he's a guy that's performed actually pretty well in the last few weeks here, maybe the last week or so. Um, but he's going to get a ton of minutes. No, no Okafor, no Embiid. That's that's a great situation to look into. He's cheap too. He's like forty five hundred or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's someone I'm looking at. Going over to the Warriors Hawks game, obviously just two uh, well injuries that we already know about. Kevin Durant with a knee injury, he's out probably for I'm expecting to be at least most of the regular season and into the playoffs. Mike Dunleavy with the ankle injuries out indefinitely. Uh, moving over to the Bulls Pistons, Rajon Rondo is a game time decision after he tweaked his ankle on Saturday and he sat out Sunday's practice. He's actually behind in the point guard depth chart anyway. 
I thought he'd be one of those buyout candidates, but that never actually happened. Either way, I'm not really using Rondo in DFS purposes tonight. And then Dwayne Wade, probably a bigger injury for today's slate due to the lack of shooting guard options really available. He's ruled out with a thigh injury. He sat out Sunday's practice. Paul Zipser is likely to get the start, and he is probably one of those guys that uh, will go down as, I have never heard of you before, (laughs) and you are now starting in an NBA game. So I I feel like those happen at least three or four times throughout the year, and Paul Zipser is going to win that award at least for tonight. (laughs) Uh, Going over to the Trailblazers Timberwolves, we have Evan Turner out with a hand injury, Alan Crabb. He's probable with a leg injury, and then really we know a couple of big guys for the the Timberwolves have been out for a while, Zach Levine, Adrian Payne, uh, Pekovic, those guys we've, we've kind of discussed ad nauseum already uh, moving over to the Pacers Hornets game Lavoy Allen is a game time decision with a knee injury he sat out Sunday's game Kaminsky your boy Frank Kaminsky is out with a shoulder injury for 10 to 14 days and then we have Miles Plumley who will be out with a calf injury he's missed the last two uh, two weeks now and then Ramon Sessions with a knee injury out obviously I think the Kaminsky injury hurts you the most right I was devastated actually that that was that was so sad uh, Kaminsky, it sucks because he was playing so well. He had, you know, a bunch of 30 point Fandle outings. He, he was getting so many minutes. I know Cody Zeller was hurt, but, um, that's still, it's, it's so, it's so unfortunate that, that he had to go down like that. Um, two weeks, like that's, that's well, a good chunk. That's like five games or something. When I saw that injury first come across the Rotowire headlines, I immediately pictured you just like sobbing uncontrollably <laughs> in your apartment. You hit that spot on because yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> this is this breaking down that yeah. Frank the Tank can no longer be in your DFS lineup. My anymore. eyes welled up. It was it was it was an unfortunate time for sure. Okay, well we gotta move past this. Like I said, we're already losing all of today. And we have the phones going off. It's a it's a crazy helter skelter <laughs> podcast in the NBA slate here. So we have the Nets, Memphis Grizzlies, obviously no real major injuries to take note of there the Rockets Spurs also no real notable injuries but the Kings and Nuggets matchup hello Garrett Temple you are out with rest and recovery um, uh, Malachi Richardson out with a hamstring injury for four to six weeks and then Jokic I mean game time decision just popped up this morning right before we did the podcast here he's sick he's in my lineup right now I'm not even gonna do foreshadowing I'm literally just saying it I don't know what to do like do, do we play him do we what's gonna happen with him that's that's a that's a situation that's always pretty sketchy like illnesses specifically you just don't know like what the severity of it is is it like a cough or is this dude like the fluent puking yeah it's like <laughs> this is this is entirely graphic right now right but like that's that's a situation i, I really hate um and the, the bad thing about illnesses too is that they usually like leave it up till um till like kind of like game time before actually giving a word on it because i mean people can you know if you get fluids and everything like that you can you can overcome that right um so, I mean, there's obviously a decent chance he's still able to play. He's one of their best players. So, you know, guys like that usually try and try and get through those um, those minor ailments. Um, but that's, yeah, like you said, that's obviously something you got you to gotta monitor up until tip. It just uh, makes me nervous because I think he's got a great matchup, but I, I don't know if he will play. I mean, honestly, what's the point with the Nuggets this year? Like, if he's not feeling well, don't play him. Uh, the Kings are fighting for a spot in the playoffs still, but at the same time, they're they're not great defensively against the power forward center spot. And Jokic has been doing fantastic for them. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm the way my DFS month has been going, <laughs> I'm fully anticipating that we will think he is going to play right. throughout the whole day. 
And then probably 30 minutes after lock, we will find out he is done for yeah. the day. And that's what it'll be. And like I said, I have him in my lineup. I'm going to keep him in my lineup until we know for certain, because I think he's got a great matchup. But I'm anticipating that uh, with my way my month has been going, that's what's going to happen. I don't know. I just feel like you like with injuries, like with your knees and legs, like with those type of injuries, I understand if you're a team that's out of the playoff race, you know, resting players. But I mean, it's if it's an illness, I, I think a lot of guys can play through that. I mean, it's like me and you. We come to work if we're sick. We'll, st- we'll still make it through that. I know. You came here despite Frank Kaminsky being out 10 to 14 days. That's a huge thing for That's you. traumatic. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, we're, we're here. Yeah. We're here. We're present. You we're going. fought through it. <laughs> <laughs> we got the last two games for the 12-game slate with the Pelicans and Jazz. Omar Sheik will be a game from decision with an illness. Obviously, uh, it's not really a big deal if he plays or not. Not on the same level as Jokic, so... Uh, Shelvin Mack with the ankle injury is a game-time decision. He's the third-string point guard. I mean, not really much of a DFS option there. And then Joe Johnson, obviously, I discussed him a little bit before when we were talking about Rodney Hood. He's missed the last two games of soreness. He's a game-time decision in, with a groin injury as well. That means Rodney Hood might be able to play again if Joe Johnson is, in fact, out. And moving over to the Celtics Clippers side, just two injuries. Al Horford, kind of a bigger one if you're looking at paying up for the center spot, is a game-time decision with elbow soreness he blocked a shot apparently on friday and it he blocked it so well that he just got soreness in his elbow so uh i mean i'm kind of joking about that but it's kind of how the injury broke down he didn't play sunday's game i'm kind of thinking he won't play monday either and then avery bradley is a game time decision he didn't play sunday intentionally after they are kind of giving him some rest and recovery he's still coming back from his sore achilles injury i'm expecting him to play tonight but that al horford injury could make a big difference if you want to pay up at center spot yeah i think horford's a great injury to look at i think a guy like kelly olenick um, should have a ton of value. I think he's, he'll be extremely cheap, um, but has played pretty well when he's you know been called up for for big minutes. So I think that's something to monitor. But like you're you're, you're completely right on Bradley. It sounds like he was just resting. Uh, he should be back in the lineup. So you know guys like Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown, you're still probably going to want to steer away from them for now. Is there a, a matchup in particular with all those injuries that you're you're kind of targeting right now, or you think uh, could provide some big DFS value? Yeah, we talked about it already, but it's kind of hard for me not to look at the the Milwaukee Philadelphia game. You know, the Sixers who were so deep at center, you know, in the front court all season, uh, they're down a, a bunch of bodies. It feels tra- like just in two weeks they lost everything. Right, like it just disappeared. Yeah. Like Nerlens Noel's traded. You know, Joel Embiid's obviously out for the rest of the season now. Okafor's doubtful. That's that's a ton of playing time for a guy like Holmes. So I think he's one of the better um, you know value plays at one of those smaller contracts at just forty five hundred. Um, then also, you know, since there really aren't too many games with a ton of injuries, I, I think it's also, you know, fair to point out, you know, a prominent injury like Dwayne Wade, um, who's sitting out for the Bulls. You know, that's I think the Bulls only have two injuries, but but without Wade, that could mean a, a few different things. You know, for one, I think Jimmy Butler has increased value, you know, considering he's going to be relied upon even more, uh, you know, to shoulder the load offensively there. You know, there's also we talked about Zipser. He's interesting. I I'm not too sold on that. That's a little more of a sketchy play for me. Uh, but yeah, Zipser, Denzel Valentine, uh, those are guys that are probably going to see a little added time on the wing. Um, but for me, it, I think it's more more in my eyes. It's it's a Butler thing that that I'm looking at. I think Zipser's 3,500. I'm not I'm not familiar with Denzel Valentine's price, but I'm assuming it's probably probably at least yeah. around there, close to like 36, 3,700. I think Liam Neeson might actually need to be looking out for the the 76 or center spot because they're all been taken. Like, <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all gone. We need to have, have like come that. in for taken four. Good. Like that's <laughs> this is where we're at right now. No, for me, I think I'm looking at um, the Kaminsky game. We, we kind of discussed it when you were sobbing about. 
uncontrollably earlier in the podcast. Um, I, I think that having Kaminsky out means that, well, and Plumley for that matter, means that Zeller might get an opportunity. I think it's Cody, right? Not Tyler. Tyler's Cody, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tyler's the Celtics one. <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. No, I, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm also devastated by the Kaminsky injury, too. So we're moving yes. past. No. Yeah. <laughs> Cody Zeller, I think, is going to have an opportunity at center. Um, he's at 5000 for his price tag. Uh, I think that's probably a good way to go, especially when we know he has to play. I don't know how many other center options they really have. So we're looking at 34, 35 minutes for Cody Zeller. Um, and I think that's pretty good value for his price. So kind of a sneaky thing too, but Lavoy Allen um, for the Pacers has been one of those guys who you could sometimes slot in if you're looking for a cheaper player and just hoping that he gets a lot of minutes. Well, this now opens the door a little bit for Thad Young, who is himself coming off an injury himself. So I, I think that Young probably gets a few more minutes. I'm not sure if I really want to use it DFS-wise, but if we're moving away from that Buck 76ers matchup, this is the one I'm looking at. Yeah, and Young's fairly cheap usually. I think he's usually in the 5,000. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so. like, I mean, you might as well call him Thaddeus 5,000 Young. I'm, I, that one didn't get me. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I, I'm just saying he's right around you're, the you're price ta- all the time. <laughs> Your taken reference was killer. That last one was just okay. brutal. Well, you know what? One for two in the day. Uh, we're, we're moving past 50%. It. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm doing all right in baseball if we're doing that. True, true. Um, so we're going to kind of skip past uh, a lot of the other questions that we have because just because we spend so much time with the Bucks which was fine. We need to talk about that. We need to get off our, our chest a little bit here. True. But, um, our would you rather question of the day. Again, I, I'm lacking a little bit of creativity, as you can tell by my bad puns. Um, would you rather pay up for centers here? And when I say pay up, I'm looking at 8000 or higher for price tag, or would you rather pay down, obviously? So 7900 or less. I think you could honestly go either way this time around. No, I need you to commit. I, I will. I will. You know, I, it really depends on if you find some higher value or other play, like higher uh, price players, I should say, at those other positions, yeah, you know, I think it would definitely be valid to start Carl Anthony Towns. You know, he's the highest paid center. You know, he's got a decent matchup with the Trailblazers, and then kind of build around him. Um, but if there are some other top salary guys that you're looking for at small forward or point guard, uh, I think there's some options lower than eight thousand, like Dwight Howard at seventy eight hundred, Miles Turner potentially at sixty four hundred, or like we mentioned, Cody Zeller. Uh, maybe even Tristan Thompson, although I think the other three were probably better there. Um, but if I like, if I absolutely had to choose, I, I think I'd probably say pay down as long as you, you you know you like higher priced options at at those other positions. So I think you can absolutely make a, a case for Carl Anthony Towns yeah. against the Trailblazers. I think that's a high scoring matchup, and Towns is one of the best players I think in the NBA, not just in that matchup in general. So yeah, for his price tag, which I'm pretty sure is around ten thousand, I think it's like ten thousand, uh, ten thousand four hundred. Yeah, I was going to say that. I didn't. Feel, I thought it was ten thousand five hundred. So <laughs> yeah, ten thousand four hundred. I feel pretty good at going against the Trailblazers. Um, for other higher price guys, I like Hassan Whiteside. I like Andre Drummond, and I like Marcus Saul, especially going against the Nets. They're all above eight thousand, but in that range, honestly, if I were to do this lineup over again, and I, I still might if Jokic is out um, with that illness for yeah, the Nuggets, yeah. I, I would pay up at the center spot today. I think that there's a lot of value that you could be had there, and I'm not sure I found a lot of value elsewhere positions like you were talking about. It was absolutely a cop-out answer, answer which you gave us before. Absolutely, yeah. yeah but th- I, I think there is some truth to that. I just don't feel like there is a lot of value in other spots, so I'll, I'll pay up um, at the center and then We'll just go cheap somewhere else, punt. This would be if I were to redo my lineup again. Obviously, I'm using Cody Zeller tonight. I kind of discussed that earlier with the Frank Kaminsky injury. But yeah. um, I, if I could do it over again, and I, obviously I could, but I'm not going to, um, I would probably go with Marcus Saul at 8,100. I don't think Brooke Lopez really scares me. Um, I like comboing Conley and Marcus Saul together because the Nets are, I mean, almost historically one of the worst teams defending point guards in the NBA. So 
I, I think that's probably where I go, and I don't normally like to pay up for centers. Yeah, me, me either. But we we talked about it before the pod that some of those you know there's like seven seven ten thousand price guys or more, um, and of them they really just don't have great matchups. Like Harden's going up against the Spurs. Yeah. Demarcus Cousins, Davis are going up against the Jazz. So um, I think if you want to pay up for a center, it's completely okay, especially a guy like Towns or, or Gasol. Before we move on to the RotoWire Optimizer lineup, let's first have a word from Pristine Auctions. Again, Pristine, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. I I love Pristine Auctions. I'm already a a user of that. We got the David Johnson item that I am really hoping ends up finding its way to my mailbox today. I'm excited to try that out. Um, But I love collecting autographs and other sports paraphernalia. Uh, It's absolutely one of my pastimes, and uh, it's been great to work with uh, Pristine Auctions so far. It's easy to bid on items. Uh, I, I feel really confident in the items I'm getting too, because we have the, the certificate of authenticity that comes with the item itself. And honestly, the prices are just ridiculous for some of these things. Yeah. And have you actually been able to check any of their items out other than the David Johnson jersey? Like I know yeah, once you well, get I that, check every single like, day, ben. that's going to be like posted up on your wall instantly. Right. Or is that something you're going to wear? No, 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 no. I'm definitely framing that. Yeah. Uh, the framing expense, uh, like framing is pretty expensive. I'm looking at other options around in the Madison area and it's about two fifty. but if you put, oh, dang, if yeah. you actually frame items through pristine, it's around one thirty, which is oh, nice. fantastic yeah, value. That's, that's so if awesome. I would have known that before, I would have probably went through pristine for the framing <laughs> as well as getting the item itself. But right. yeah, I, I look at pristine every single day. Um, I have to really resist bidding on things every single day because I understand <laughs> that I have a limited budget. Right. These podcasts don't, they don't pay for everything. Very true. Very true. Yeah. So uh, I really like uh, a Kevin Durant jersey today that I've been saying. There are multiple, multiple Kevin Durant autographed jerseys, whether it be a Christmas jersey that he used or anything like that. $50. That's $50 right now for a Kevin Durant autographed jersey. Yeah, I'm not even going to say what I paid for a Kevin Durant Oklahoma City jersey because um, that's so much cheaper than what I paid. Um, and God, why did Durant have to leave, man? He's but killing my jersey it's, selections. It's but, signed. It's a signed but yeah, Kevin Durant jersey. That is an unreal price for, for a Durant jersey. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, I am not. But if you are, Stephon Diggs, who I think could be one of the better wide receivers in the NFL if they actually threw the ball more than five yards, yeah. at $27 signed autograph jersey. I love that, too. I mean, Pristine has so many different options out there, whether you're into NHL, NBA, MLB, NFL. I don't even know any more L's, F's, M's I can <laughs> add on there. But if you're a sports fan, you love collecting autographs pristine auctions is the place to go again p-r-i-s-t-i-n-e pristine auctions if you want your uh your items to uh selling go to pristine auctions <laughs> all right let's move on to the rotowire optimizer lineup for tonight's 12 game monday slate we have Derek rose at point guard going against the magic at 6500 and then point guard Der- dennis schroeder going against the warriors at 6400 at shooting guard for the rotowire optimizer lineup we have the Greek Freak Giannis onto the Tumbo going against the 76ers, 10,800. And then Tyreek Evans going against the Nuggets at 5,800. At small four, we had Tablo Sevalosha going against the Warriors at 3,700. And small four, Chandler Parsons going against the Nets at 3,500. So two very cheap options for the Rotoware Optimizer lineup. At power forward, well, we have a few more expensive uh, options. We have Blake Griffin going against the Celtics at 9,600. And Paul Millsap going against the Warriors at 7,700. And rounding out the Rotoware Optimizer lineup for Monday's 12 game slate, we have Yusuf. Uh, Joseph Nurkovich going against the Timberwolves going for 5,900. Um, lots to kind of take in with that Rotoware Optimizer lineup. Is there any initial thoughts that you have for it? 
I mean, I like the fact that it, for the most part, avoided the the hefty salaries, you know, up top. It did locate Greek Freak, Giannis, uh, and he may be one of the few guys in that top tier, like like Towns, that I'd potentially, you know, take a risk on. He's got a solid matchup with the 76ers, um, so that doesn't bother me too much. I, I think there's some better talent at the lower depths to locate than than what the optimizer gave us. Um, I've said this in the past also. I'm not a huge fan of using Derrick Rose. So I, that, that's another player I'm probably avoiding here. But I, I am kind of intrigued by Paul Millsap's matchup with the Warriors. You know, the Warriors gave up, give up a, a surprising amount of points to power forwards, you know, despite Draymond Green being there. Um, so that could be a spot where Millsap is able to produce. So I, I kind of like that pick. I'm definitely intrigued by it. Um, but I think some of the lower price players is, is somewhat questionable tonight. I we've been on board with the lineup in the last couple of podcasts we've done. That yeah. It's been consistently, yeah, I think I like this for the most part. I'm decidedly not with this lineup tonight. I mean, I, I don't I don't think this is good at all. Um, if you're going to pay up at certain spots, I want to make sure you get the right guys. Uh, and I don't think that's what this is doing at all. Like, the optimizer understands that the Bucks are doing, like, all right. I mean, Giannis has been a huge struggle i've used him the last two podcasts yeah i feel a little burnt by him i'm not gonna lie but uh he's been up and down i mean he's had three 50 point games in the last 10 games that's it yeah that's that's not what you're looking for when you're paying for someone for 10,800 he's had three of them i I mean he's struggling to get the 40 point mark sometimes especially the nuggets game we went to uh even the game before that too like I don't feel confident using him at all. And the same goes for Blake Griffin. I think he also has three 50-point FanDuel games in the last 10 games. And those are the two people you're paying up highest for. So if you're going to do that, if you're going to use the cheap options like the Chandler Parson, who I hate at 3,500, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand why you're going for Griffin. I'm not even sure I like the Greek free play either. So I'm not really a huge fan of this lineup tonight. Um, I, and honestly, I, I don't even like the strategy of it too. So I'm really harping on it. <laughs> no, that's fair. Like I, I, I get what you're saying. I think Griffin's not as bad as a play as you're making it seem. I think, but that, that it could be but more. The Celtics that, are pretty good defensively right. against power forward. But if Al Horford sits out, like I think that's going to be a bunch more, um, you know, rebounds for a guy like Griffin. Uh, but I do agree. Like overall, it's just some some poor, you know, lower tier plays that you know that just don't fit this lineup that well. And I, I think there could be, you know some better options I, I, I do i'm fine with Giannis. i am i think Giannis is a fine play um but there's just it just doesn't look good elsewhere and that's that's a huge problem i guess maybe i'm hoping to put the reverse joe stink on it uh true yeah and now just, it's gonna and now be, these just go off right. and i'll be like all right great bucks probably win if Giannis goes <laughs> off so i've done my job as a bucks fan <laughs> so if you are not a fan of derrick rose at the point guard spot who do you have in your point guard lineup for your for your Monday slate, I'm going uh, Damian Lillard, uh, who's going up against the Timberwolves. He's priced at 8,800, uh, and Darren Collison, who's taking on the Nuggets um, at 5,500. Uh, for Lill- I really like Lillard's, Lillard's price. He's just 8,800. Um, he's been in the 9,000s over the last two games, so it's starting to fall a little bit, which is always something I, I like to target. You know, it's not like he's played horrible of late either. He's logged 40 uh, Fanduel points or, or more in each of his last five games. Um, and this is still a guy that, you know, is one of the best point guards in the league. It's like he, he can go off on any day. Um, so I like using him as one of my, you know, higher price guys. Um, the Timberwolves don't necessarily give up a ton of points uh, to point guards, but, you know, it's not like they're a juggernaut defense or anything like that. So right. um, I'm comfortable playing him, especially at 8,800, which, which isn't, you know, a horrible price for him. And then uh, with Collison, he's been pretty inconsistent of late. You know, he had 30, 31, 41 minutes over those last three games, which is why I kind of like him there. Um, I think he's still really receiving the bulk of the workload. Workload, jeez, I can't talk. No, you're um, fine. Bulk of the workload at point guard. 
Um, you know, he's coming off a 30 Fanduel point showing against the, a, t- a tough Jazz defense. Um, so when you're going up against someone like uh, the Nuggets, who's a pretty up-paced game as well, right? Um, I think at just 5,500, that's that's a solid play. I liked the Darren Collison play too. Like when I was putting together the lineup initially, I thought, yeah, I feel good about that. My one concern was where does Ty Lawson fit into right, this whole right. thing? And I still don't feel like the the, the Kings front court, um, sorry, well, the Kings back court, I should say, hasn't really been figured out quite yet. Right? They just keep flip flopping. Yeah, it's it's an ugly situation. <laughs> And there's the so Kings, many injuries but, too that they have to kind of mess around right. with. So that's I want to stay away for that reason alone. But yeah, Nuggets really are not great defensively against point guard and second 55, most fifty five hundred for Darren right. Collison. That's great. That's decent. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, obviously, I didn't go that way, but I like the way you're thinking. I went with Mike Conley at seventy eight hundred going against the Nets. Uh, we're talking about the Nuggets being really bad defensively against point guards. Yeah, Nets are just as bad. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know who really is all going to be scoring on the Grizzlies besides Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley. So if again I had discussed earlier, I'd love to put Marcus Gasol in my lineup if I had redone it over again. I definitely have Mike Conley. He was one of the first people I went and reached to. He's been consistent lately. Uh, I feel pretty confident using him and getting at least a good ceiling of 35 40 fanduel points that's kind of what we're looking at and then the other point guard spot i have derrick rose um going against the magic at 6500 the optimizer liked him um and that made me initially look at it again i've been kind of hesitant to use rose as well i'm been on board with you for the most part but he's got over 30 fanduel points in the last four games i'm just looking for some consistency at this point especially in a double up kind of uh, situation magic are not great defensively against point guards i think their top 10 allowed most fanduel points to point guards uh, I, I think that Rose in this situation probably will do fine, which means that he'll get like 15 Fando points and only play 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I mean, my gripe with Rose is usually that he's just burned me in the past. Like he's, he still yeah. has potential on any given night. So I get, I get the fact that you're using him. I'm just, I'm just scarred from <laughs> my previous attempts. Which is to use fine. Him. Like, um, I, I get that. I think Rose would probably understand too. I mean, he's done that to everyone. It feels oh, absolutely. Like. <laughs> but uh, I do like the Conley play. I th- he's, he's a guy that's extremely consistent. He's had 40 or more Fando points in three of the last four games. You know, he's still like only 7,700. That's, that's a great great price yeah. for someone like him so i think that's a great play who do you have at shooting guard then for tonight's 12 game slate yeah for shooting guard i'm going clay thompson uh, against the hawks at seven thousand. um and we talked about him before but rodney hood uh, against the pelicans at just 4200 um you know with clay thompson you despite being a playoff team in the east with the hawks they aren't necessarily great at guarding shooting guards um, so I think this is an opportunity for Thompson to score a little bit, uh, a little expensive, you know, 7,000, uh, but it's still a guy who's gone off for multiple fan, uh, 50 point fan right. um, games this season. You know, so, uh, so a ton of upside there. The Warriors are still without Kevin Durant, which obviously means more shots for guys like Curry, Thompson, um, Draymond Green. And when you put all that together, I think that's, that's fine. 7,000 price with, with Thompson. I think he has a, he has a decent chance. Of I like off. that one too. I mean, I, I had looked at that as well. Um, I'm staying away. Not so much that I'm worried about Thompson's thing. Curry's just been going off. Yeah, like yeah no, you're not wrong. He's taken on so much more of a load, and we kind of expected that. I mean, when we had to discuss that injury in last week's pod, that's kind of what we thought, that maybe Curry was going to take over, maybe Thompson was going to take a little bit more. Um, and I think that Clay Thompson will still have his moments. I wonder if the Hawks are actually a pretty good team that could stop him from doing that. I mean, he's not necessarily only a three-point shooting option but i think that they're one of those teams that i respect coaching wise that can kind of take away one team's strength so that's the reason i stayed away from it but i don't think it's a bad play overall yeah i just think he has so much upside as a, as a scorer especially with no durant there like there's, yeah. there's so many shots that's, that are going to go around now that um he's, he's out of the lineup so i think that's that's a valid play and then with hood you know we already mentioned him in yesterday's optimal lineup just 4200 28 points in sunday's game uh, against the Kings, yeah. but that was that was his first game back from a two-game absence. So, 
I do have a few concerns there if the team wants to limit his minutes. Uh, I'll feel a little better about it if Joe Johnson doesn't play because they that really means they don't have that many bench options right. to take minutes from Hood. Um, but I, I still think that's such a, a decent price at 4200 that um, I'm, I'm willing to take a risk on him as one of my cheaper plays. I feel pretty good that if Joe Johnson doesn't play, you'll definitely get your value back from Rodney yeah, Hood. Yeah. Um, and like if I was to kind of refangle my roster on if Jokic is out, I'm definitely putting in Rodney Hood in my spot because I, I don't really feel great about my shooting guard options. I'm going with Tim Hardaway, who's facing the Warriors, obviously, at 5,500. He's the Clay Thompson counterpart to that matchup. And then Nicholas Batum going against the Pacers at 6,800. Batum is one of those guys that can get you production everywhere else he just doesn't score that much like he gets the rebounds he gets the assists he gets a fair amount of steals too honestly as a shooting guard spot so i like to use him when i can't find many cheaper options uh and i didn't really want to roll with rodney hood yet uh so batum is one of those guys i feel pretty confident about playing and oh by the way the pacers aren't that great defensively against shooting guards i mean this isn't really new we have monta ellis sometimes playing there we we have small guard rodney stuckey every time i mean batum will get his points and he'll get his rebounds too and that's kind of what i need um i'm really not comfortable with the hardaway play but i didn't know where else to go that was literally the last guy i put in i mean he's done fantastic in the last two games he's gotten 24 points against the pacers and 36 against the cavaliers and this was with tablo sevalosha coming back so yeah i mean i think he's hot right now do i want to ride with him too often no not not really um but this is where i'm at right now with the dfs lineup so if there's one hole i think it's probably the tim hardaway play i think i think hardaway is probably um a safer play than you're you're leading on you know like you said, Cephalosha is just came back, but Hardaway still had 35 minutes in the last two games. Um, he's been a scorer. Like this guy's been getting 16 field goal attempts and 20 field goal attempts. So that's a ton of shots off. I, I like I like to play. He's only 5,500. You know, so it's not like you're paying like 7,000 for this guy. So I think it's it's a little safer play than you're leading on. Um, but that that's probably the way I'm feeling about about Hardaway for tonight. I think that's fair enough. At my a small forward spot, I'm going Kawhi Leonard, who's going against the Rockets at 9,200. Simply put, I just think that's going to be a high-paced, high-octane game. I know that the Spurs like to slow things down a little bit, but Kawhi Leonard's going to get his points. And I actually looked at his matchups with the Rockets. He hasn't really averaged that many points, but he's shooting under 30%, I think, from the three-point line in those games. If he shoots even like 35 40% and he's taking about five three-pointers a game, uh, I'm expecting him to be to be able to recoup a little bit of those points. We know what he can do defensively. We know what he can do rebounding assist-wise. So we're just trying to get a few more points. I love him at 9,200. Um, again, not a 10,000-priced guy, which makes me feel a little bit better about that. I have a, a bit more money to play with, so I definitely like Kawhi Leonard that spot. And then Chris Middleton at 5,600 is my other small forward option. We discussed him uh, pretty pretty well, at least when we were doing our, our talk at the top of the hour about the Bucks. I think Middleton being back at full strength is going to be huge um, and could really help carry the Bucks if they, they still want to make that playoff push. Yeah, so. I think Middleton's price is great, too, 5600 That's going to rise. It's the, we're, I, it will, This is the low sure. end. Yeah, I think this is a good a good time to grab him. He was someone I considered for sure in my lineup. Um, and then with Kawhi, uh, Kawhi's been on a tear. Yeah. Um, 66, 53, and 50 Fanduel points uh, the last three games. Now is 22, 26, and 25 field goal attempts. Like, this dude is just chucking. Uh, and when you go up against the Rockets, that's even more shots of Available because you know you're going um, you're going back and forth with them. I mean, obviously it's going to slow down a little bit with the Spurs, like you, you mentioned, but that's that's a lot of shot attempts. So I, I really do like uh, you Kawhi's only pretty. rattle off those stats when you have that person in your lineup. So should I should I assume that Kawhi Leonard is one of your small forward options tonight? <laughs> he is one of my small. Yeah, forwards, there we go. So. All right, <laughs> for sure. And then um, yeah, I'm pairing with Leonard. I'm going with Jimmy Butler. Talked about yeah, him before. Yeah. You know, no Dwayne Wade. He's going to have a bigger offensive responsibility. Um, 
and I, it, he's only 9,100 or something like that. So, um, and, and like I mentioned above, I'm not going with anyone in the 10,000. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable using, you know, three or four guys in the 8,000 to 9,000 range and, you know, going from there. Who do you have a power forward? For power forward, I'm going with Kristaps Pazingas at, uh, against the Magic, I should say, at 6,700. Um, and Rashawn Holmes, we talked about him extensively. He's going up against the Bucks. should be starting at center at just 4,500. You know, with Porzingis, he he's another guy that was in yesterday's optimal lineup. You know, and while I don't really often encourage using players on a back-to-back, uh, I think Porzingis is going to be a strong play again. You know, it, it really depends on what they're doing. I think Porzingis will probably get another start at center without Noah. And we, we talked about this before, but if they keep bringing, you know, Hernan Gomez off the bench, um, he had a 24.15 rebound performance yesterday. Um, so I think he's going to have confidence. He's going to get a ton of minutes. Um, and, it, you know, considering he played so well with, with that many minutes, I, they probably might just keep Hernan Gomez in that kind of small minor bench role. Um, so that's kind of kind of what I'm banking on here for tonight. Here's my concern with the Rashawn Holmes play because that was immediately who I saw when we were kind of going through. And we saw okay, Okafor is going to be out. We know Embiid's going to be out. We know Andrew Bogut is gone. We know Tiago Splitter is obviously not playing all year. So who's playing center? Holmes only has 24, 25, 26 minutes the last three games, and that's with Okafor out. We know that we that's with Embiid out, and he's got 19 and 18 Fanduel points respectively. And then if we go back one more game, 24, which isn't great, even though I mean, that's for 4,500 that's about six times the value which is okay so uh, yeah I think by default if we're asking five times the value if you're saying okay he's gonna get 20 Fanduel points yeah but where where is the upper echelon performances that we've been looking for I mean Holmes has been one of those guys that not just you and I have discussed as options is there's other DFS analysts out there there are other well-respected NBA minds that I like to listen to and, and read that have also suggested Holmes should be playing better we have not seen that production with him getting ample amount of time. Yeah, I think that's a little concerning. I, I, I do agree that it's concerning that he hasn't, especially with Okafor out, that he hasn't had those you know double double performances that we we fully expected to have him to have. But I mean, he's had a couple, maybe two or three games in the thirties, maybe even upper thirties. I think he had like a thirty nine uh, Fanduel point game at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I purposely only said the first three because obviously the fourth game he had thirty two yeah, Fanduel points. Yeah. That was against the Warriors though, and I, I just feel like you have to be kind of fluky sometimes against the Warriors so to me 30 Fanduel point, 32 Fanduel points the next game after that was 16.4 and then he followed it up with a 39.5 so and I, I'd it's be, all over the spectrum yeah I'd be more worried about it if it was a guy that I'm paying like 6,000 or 7,000 yeah, for but, but since he's only 4,500 I think that's a, it's well worth the risk and you know, it's still a guy that I I still think he's he's a double-double guy and I just it's for some reason he's he's just not performing um, I don't know if he's getting so much more attention now that he's working with the top unit versus you know going up against backups or something like that. Um, but I, he's he's shown that he can hit the 30s in Fanduel points. So I like I like using him at 45. I don't think he's a bad gamble. I just wish there was some more consistency. Yeah, and no, I can't I place agree. can't place a finger on why it's happening. Yeah. Uh, the rest of my lineup at the power forward and center spot, we've kind of went over before, so I don't really feel like I need to go over too much. Nicole Jokovic is going to be my power forward at 9,900 going against the Kings. Obviously, he's a game-time decision right now with an illness, and knowing my luck, he will not play. So you need to adjust your laps accordingly after listening to this podcast. But I'm expecting him to play. Um, at least I'm hoping he's going to play. And if he does, Kings have not been very good defensively against power forwards. Uh, and frankly, he's just really, really, really good. I mean, we saw that in person Wednesday against the Bucks when he got the trick second triple double of the game or i'm sorry of of the, the week i think because he had a game triple double before then too so i think he's just a really good player and that's 
that 9,900, he should be in the 10,000 range if he's playing. So I think that's value. Uh, and I don't really like too many of the power forward options in the mid tier. So this makes perfect sense to me. And then my other option, Amir Johnson at 3,700 going against the Clippers. If Johnson, I'm sorry, if Horford doesn't play after he messed up his elbow with that block shot on Friday, I think Johnson's the one that fills in a lot of the minutes there. We talked about Cody Seller at my centered spot, um, Tyler Zeller, his brother there. I mean, I don't know if he really plays that much with the Celtics, even if Horford's out. So Amir Johnson fills in there, and I, I like him at 3,700. And then again, Cody Zeller going against the Pacers, 5,000. Makes a lot of sense with your boy Kaminsky out. Um, so I, I think that's the way that's a pretty easy option for me at center if I were to not pay up. Yeah, I think you're talking about Johnson. I, I think Johnson should be a, a pretty good play at 3,700. That's that's almost a minimum contract. Um, so if yeah, if Horford does sit out, he's he's going to be in the mid to upper 20s, if not uh, hit that 30 mark. I, I don't think Tyler Zeller will be a guy that's that's in that rotation. I think it's more probably Kelly Olenek. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely a play to consider um, if if there's no Horford. But uh, I do completely agree with Cody Zeller, the other the other Zeller. <laughs> you got so many Zellers today. <laughs> as my as my center as well. Uh, you know, there's no Kaminsky, no. Plumley, like he's forced into minutes. There's no other options behind him. Maybe, maybe they have Johnny O'Brien or something like that. Yeah, they like do actually. That, that's Who's horrible. A Bucks, <laughs> Bucks standout yeah. for us. Yes. Um, so I, I like, uh, I do like Zeller a lot at just five thousand. Um, he's had mid twenties in Fanduel points the last few games. So um, I think that's a guy that can can easily get get over that thirty Fanduel point mark. I'm not sure he'll be as used as, say, a Kylo Quinn was, or even back when we were discussing Corey Joseph coming off that Kyle yeah, Lauer injury. Yeah. I think that Zeller might have a little less ownership rate, which makes me even more likely to use him. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is more of just a, a small name. But again, Kaminsky being out definitely opens the door for Zeller to get a lot of minutes and, and hopefully do well FanDuel-wise. That does it for us on the Monday NBA DFS slate. Um, again, 12 games. We'll be back Wednesday to discuss more NBA DFS. Ben, where can the people find you at a Twitter? You can get me at Benman Doing Work. Still the best Twitter handle at Rotowire. And you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. That does it for us. We'll see you again Wednesday.